Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Bad people. Welcome to our show. Anyone who want to learn more about SEO, paid marketing, welcome. Today we are going to touch both marketing, paid and organic reach and to show you how you can increase your results. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Becky Sims. How are you? Ah, oh, thank you so much. What a lovely intro. Uh, I'm really well, thank you. Really well. How are you? A big pleasure to get on the show, to learn from you. I love it. Becky, before we start, just tell me about about yourself, experience, background, and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you. Perfect. Okay, well, I'm the founder and CEO of Reflect Digital. So we are a digital marketing agency, and we're here to unleash your potential, or that's how we uh, that's how we explain it to our clients um, and our potential clients. So we specialize in leveraging human behavior insights to optimize the customer experience, and in doing so, we level up digital marketing campaigns such as SEO and paid. So it's that idea of how you can get closer to understanding your customer and when you understand your customer you unleash potential that you didn't even know was there to improve results and and hopefully that's what we're going to talk about today and give some tips and help people work out how they might go and unleash their own potential nice awesome awesome love it love it becky i want to confess uh when i started my digital journey i didn't consider customers a lot i tried to satisfy all algorithms i had a big team who wrote for the sake of satisfying algorithms paid marketing organic reach and that worked because competition was low many companies (laughs) still used uh offline marketing today it's not the same everyone all companies are online in digital and we need to compete with them and search engines uh, google and social media platforms uh, are much smarter they have enough algorithms to recognize what people want to get. That's why I love it. If you learn customer's behavior, it's a must have. And for me, it's better to learn about customers than to about algorithms. If you can satisfy people, then you can satisfy algorithms. Can you tell how to unite paid and organic reach? It's interesting because for me, it's two different directions. Uh, different people can handle and manage the process, but tell your methods how to uh, think about paid marketing, pay-per-click and organic reach as well. Definitely. Well, first of all, I know we're going to get on really well because the fact that you kind of, everything you've just said is is my world of, because that's the thing, people used to focus on the algorithms and think that that was the answer. But actually, when you satisfy what humans want, you actually find that's what the algorithms want as well, because they're yeah. trying to match humans because they're there for humans to interact. So, um, no, I love that. Um, So for me, the thing is, you start nowhere near SEO or paid. (laughs) That's the first thing. You like, you get out of your channel and you get normally, so we love to do this uh, kind of workshop style, but then there's lots of pieces of research that need to come together. So it's a mixture of workshops, research, whether that's desk research, whether that's customer research, I'll start to explain all of those bits. Then it normally comes back to workshop style. And then you start to get to this point where you start to understand the customer journey. And I think that for me is what you need to unlock. You need to unlock where are your customers going? What are they asking? What are they looking for? What do they need? What happens from the moment that they think, oh, I need a solution for something. So whatever it might be, I don't know. Let's use um, 
let's use someone trying to decide they want to buy a new car, for example. And because this is always a really interesting one, because actually we a lot of people can relate to this or they'll know if they have friends and families that might have bought a car if, they, if they're not driving themselves. And it's, it's a big purchase. So it's something that you don't tend to do overnight. Um, and this is very different when you think about the human behavior side and, and leveraging the channels. If you sell something that people just literally buy at the drop of a hat and, and don't need to think about, it is different. But for those purchases that are bigger purchases, you kind of go to the trigger moment. So maybe their the current car keeps breaking down. So maybe they've been looking for advice around their current car. So actually, if if you're a website that sells cars, so whether you're an auto trader of the world or you're a brand manufacturer or you're a local dealer, um, if you can help answer some of those questions, then already you're starting to build a relationship. But as you start to see that, um, say that we'll use this as the example. So the person's got a problem with the car. They go to Google. They're looking for help, um, and they're kind of in the back of their mind. They're thinking, maybe it's maybe it's on its last legs. Maybe we need to buy the new car. Um, so at that point, they um, they've turned to Google and they find this website that's got the answers for them. So suddenly they're building a bit of trust with this website, which if you're then the website that could sell them a new car, you're in a really good place because you're becoming their friend. You're helping them. And and when we think of how you might get that in front of the user all day long, that needs to be SEO because it's going to be a real risky thing to pay for that click because we have no idea the intent. Like they might be just fixing their car and they might not want to buy another car. So, so this is where as we start to understand the journey of someone in this position, we start to see, well, there's all these content opportunities, but they sit really high up in the funnel. And that's a place where SEO is born to play. Like it definitely plays lower down in the funnel as well, but it's where you tend to see bigger search volumes or these kind of questions where we just don't really know the intent what long-term this person wants but we can be their friend and we can start to help them um so we start to map the journey and all the different touch points so then they might start they might go and try and fix the car themselves and it's not working um maybe it does work so maybe we've just satisfied them and we might have a friend for future um or it doesn't work and then they start to think we're going to need to look for another car and then as they go on this journey of narrowing down their options and trying to work out what's the right car for them, they're going to get more and more specific. And this is where you'll start to see SEO and paid playing together a bit better because, again, there's still going to be some terms that are much more suited to an SEO search and others that might get start to get super competitive and we might have to start paying for that traffic. But we want to start thinking about also how can we tag these users or how can we make sure we've um, captured their email address? Could we that help we gave them for the car? Was that something they could download or was there a way that we could capture some information from them? I don't know. It might not have felt right, but we start to ask all these questions because then we start to think about how we might pass traffic between the channels. So rather than being really just worried in our silo of we want to rank for these things or we want to get the conversions for paid or we start to think actually how do the channels help the customer as we understand how the customer moves and you'll also start to see offline channels coming into this you'll see and some of them you're not going to be able to affect but you need to know about them and know is there a way to um is there a way to understand that that's happened is there something that happens offline that we could get to to be, I don't know, a code that they put in online or somewhere that they go that we would only know that they've gone there because they came into the showroom, for example. Um, but it all centers around, first of all, understanding what that 
customer is trying to do. And when we understand what they try to do, they've basically written our strategy for us. We've got to be there for them. And, and we've got to do this for all the different types of personas and all the different reasons and triggers. And yes, you can't do it for everything, but all your big ones that you think are the, the reasons people would buy. Does that, is that making sense? Yeah, you know, for me, it's a big, big pity that I didn't have this episode 10 years ago because <laughs> I spent years to learn about that. <laughs> no, yeah, you, you share everything that I ignored <laughs> for many years. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting because I paid five ten cents per click. Today, I need to pay like five ten dollars per click. And that worked. So I could get a lot of clicks that uh, didn't convert. But today, I can't do it because it's hard to get... Uh, uh, the right sales back so yeah i love it awesome awesome and you mentioned about uh search volume i, I often see when this metric can confuse companies um, and for example if they open uh popular tools like samrush google keyword planner ihrefs uh, they, they usually see this uh, in the first visible screen i mean like uh, volume high volume for example if i search for seo yeah I can see, find a high volume, but uh, it's hard. It's hard to promote this keyword because Neil Patel, Moz, Google itself, many other uh, companies in the top 10 that deserve these positions, uh, have authority, trust. Um, in the second, doesn't mean that I can sell, monetize by having this keyword uh, because it's not related to SEO services. Can you tell how to find the right topics? Because you mentioned about customer journey, sales funnel. So let us know how to choose the right keywords that have level competition that we can allow. I mean, like uh, that we have budget to promote these keywords. Definitely. Well, I think it comes back to, to the customer research. So we will um, so search in itself and using tools like SEMrush or the Google Keyword Planner they do give us a bit of the voice of the customer because it is giving us data of how customers turn to Google and search. And, and it is interesting data. But as you say, sometimes you can get lost and, and clients in particular can, or key stakeholders in particular can get really excited about those big numbers that then they're chasing something which uh, which isn't isn't easy to do, but also isn't necessarily going to be that lucrative. So we... In our customer research, there's many different ways that we do customer research, but a big part of it is um, surveys. So our behavioral team will help us write surveys. And actually, it's only since having a behavioral team that I've realized how bad I used to be at asking questions. Every time I write a survey, and I don't do them very often anymore, my behavioral strategist is like, do you realize how biased these questions are? And I'm like, really? Are they? But as people, we're terrible for kind of, we line people up to say what we want them to say, rather than actually being really open and trying to gather what actually uh, the person wants to say. And and as humans, we're, we're all flawed. Uh, we don't realize we do these things, but also when we answer questions that people have asked us, we tend to also try and answer what we think they want to answer. And we don't, we don't really, we're always in control of our thoughts as we like to think we are. Um, so 
getting someone that can write questions really well to start to draw out information so that we really start to understand what our customer cares about and what they're thinking about and what's important at the different stages. Um, because you also start to see if I, if um, I think this was a great example that uh, a good friend of mine that taught me more about behavioral science a few years ago um, used for me. And actually it was perfect because at the time he and I had the exact same car so we both had a Jaguar um, F-Pace, which is a really nice car. Um, I'm in an electric Mini these days, so I'm doing better for the planet. But um, at the time, we both had the same car. And he asked me about why I bought the car. And I don't have kids or anything. I just wanted a nice car. So, like, it was far too big for, for me and my husband to need that car. But we bought the car. Um but I bought the car because I loved it. I felt really good in it. And it was all about kind of those happiness drivers of this feels like a really lovely car to own. Whereas he's got two kids. So the reason he bought the car was he'd actually done loads of research on the safety of the car. And the um, yeah, like, was it going to fit car seats in it? Could he fit the bikes in it? All those kind of practical things that a dad needed to do. And, and as much as he was really happy that he liked the car as well, they were his drivers. So this is where when you start to then understand the audience that you're really trying to attract and 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 maybe Jaguar equally want both but maybe they don't maybe I, I don't run their marketing and not in the detail enough but they might start to say actually that family audience is our biggest audience which would then really change how they would look at how people are searching what's most relevant what content they should be creating or they might equally want both in which case they're going to be doing a bit of both but you start to see actually the exact same product and my friend and I were very similar, although he was male, I was female. We were very similar um, age demographics, similar, like you could almost put us in the same box. And yet we both had completely different drivers. So I think so often people get hung up on um, demographics and they go, right, so our male group or, or our males and females between 30 and 40 that earn this much money, that's who we're trying to sell to. But actually, it doesn't matter like you and I could be in the same box demographically but we might be completely different as to why we would want to buy something and unless we understand the why we don't really so you need to know all of that before you can start to look at the search terms and then start to prioritize um, and to group them together as what ones would sit in the same journey because I think the other thing is that consistency of of being a voice in the journey if you if you're a brand that's managed to great upfront in awareness, but then you don't do anything that you don't pop up at all in their consideration journey, they might have forgotten about you. And vice versa, if you just pop up at the end, like with a really lovely paid ad that's like, buy our product today, but the customer's never heard of you before and you didn't help them when they were trying to find the answers and you weren't there nurturing that journey, they're probably gonna be much less likely to buy from you. So it's kind of, you've got to work out how you can get a good spread so that you're there holding their hand everywhere they turn they're like your brand's there oh you're there again helping me how good is this and we've got to buy from this brand um and they don't subconsciously or consciously say that but subconsciously that's what's happening they're starting to build trust and go this feels like a safe pair of hands this company and um, does that make sense yeah of course it makes sense yeah i love it love it you know it's awesome uh, i want to ask more about related topics uh for example you mentioned about uh, Tesla or uh, electric cars. Uh, for example, if someone uh, wanna save this planet, yeah, they probably choose Tesla uh, or other electric cars. And you remind me a great example from a lawyer who uh, 
that uh, his clients uh, uh, play golf. And he started to create content about golf and to get uh, big clients who can pay million dollars, you know, just to create content about golf and relate with uh, his services. Can you tell how to find these topics? You know, for example, if someone wants to save the planet, to buy electric cars, uh, probably you can create uh, content not only about uh, electric cars, but you can create content relevant to saving the planet. So do you have ideas how to find them? Yeah, and I think that comes back to, because there's a real... um... I guess the synergy there is knowing what your customers care about and trying to understand that, which you could do through some of that customer research surveys or um, if you were to do some focus groups, et cetera. But you also need it to be authentic to your business. So obviously, especially actually, if we use the kind of green example and the saving the planet, there's so many businesses that have got called out for greenwashing where they're like, oh, most people care about this now. We care about this too. And then they start to try and look like they care about it. But actually, when you scratch the surface, they don't really, the business isn't actually modeling caring about it. Um, so I think that's the thing when it start, if you want to start using related topics and, and having, um, I guess a shared interest with your audience, that's gotta be real. Cause if it's not real, you'll get found out real quickly. And obviously something like greenwashing is obviously a really naughty thing to be doing and, and doesn't come across well. Something like playing golf, you could probably get away with or pretending we like to play golf because we know that we'll meet the right people. But still, ideally, you want it to be authentic within the business and something. So it comes back then to thinking about your mission and vision of your business and your values and what you care about and actually seeing is there anything from there that you could start to use that aligns with the values of your audience Or is it something you need to work on within the culture of your business? So maybe you do feel, and actually there's probably a lot of businesses on the green side of things out there that maybe in the past haven't cared enough, but actually now as they're becoming more aware and they're learning more about it, they're starting to care more. But you have to then tread that line carefully that you don't want to go out there trying to go, we're the greenest business in the world and we really care about this because we know you care about it and then getting called out because actually haven't quite made it there. So I think the authenticity of, um, and I'm trying to think there's some brands that are on that journey where I think they're being really open as well Um, because people by people, And I think because of social and the way that brands are shown to be in the world these days, we feel like we are more in tune with them and and more like they're people. They're not people, they're brands. But we kind of, we have a different relationship with brands to maybe what we did in the 70s, 80s, 90s, when it was just TV adverts and billboards and magazine adverts, et cetera. So you start to feel like these people, these brands have these personas. So you want to feel that you've got shared values together and actually it will mean that you're more likely to buy from a brand more regularly than you would if it was um if it was a brand that you don't feel that you've got this connection with but it has to be authentic so I think that it comes back to this customer research and trying to deeply understand what do your audience care about and how can that be an authentic real thing that your business also cares about Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. Valuable. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you. Uh, let's talk about creating high quality content. I think content is still king and without high quality content, it's impossible to get results. You can use everything, but if you have no high quality content, nobody cares. Google can ignore. And uh, 12 years ago, I had a team of writers wrote about anything. 
I gave them topics how to learn French, how to play guitar, uh, how to earn million dollars, you know, finance, anything. They wrote Google ranked. Today, I cooperate with experts who can write about one specific topic. For example, for my blog, for my course, Chelsea Alves, Lily Ray, uh, Jeff Coyle, Mike Phillips. I cooperate with people who have recognition, have personal uh, brand recognition, and yeah, uh, who can post on Forbes, uh, search engine journal. Uh, if I cooperate with my clients, I'm looking for experts who write about one topic. For example, uh, for investing and trading websites, we usually search for writers uh, who post on Forbes, um, Bloomberg, uh, Business Insider, because we know these offers can create something new, valuable, especially today when AI can write about anything. <laughs> so, okay, I want to ask you your methods, how to find writers who can write high-quality text for your customers. Definitely. No, I love that. And you're completely right. So I suppose um, the way we work is either very similar to you, we will go and find experts because, again, you know, one, we should be pleasing the customer first. So the customer is going to see through if something isn't expert enough, especially if you're working in a field using like trading and the finance world as an experience, as an example. That is, you can't get that wrong. Like there's no, you can't. And also in many cases, you, you're tied up with red tape around. You cannot get it wrong because you're actually going to get in a lot of trouble if you get it wrong. But we want the audience to feel like it's trustworthy, etc. So yeah, we'll either, same as you've done, find writers. Or I suppose the other way we work with some of our clients that are expert writers, um, oh, sorry, uh, quite niche areas where we, we really need the expert content. We will work with a client and we'll work with the kind of detail-orientated people within the business that might not be writers, but that know how everything works. And we'll work with them to interview them, get all the information from them, really draw out what we're looking for. Then we'll use someone that's a really brilliant copywriter in our team to write that up, but then get it back in front of that expert to check first before it goes anywhere because it's because sometimes the expert isn't always the best writer um, so and we want to make sure the content is beautiful to read and that it works well and actually we've been able to get the tone of voice right for the brand but for the audience as well etc so that's then the kind of the flip side is you get a really good writer that can write about anything but only when they've got an amazing brief and all the information etc and they know it's going to get checked again by somebody that is an expert so um yeah that's that's the other route around it so and it depends for us as to what the topic is and also for the client if they have got people that they can spare to do that briefing etc but sometimes that's needed either way because you need it coming from the business maybe if it's not a generic topic that anyone would know about you want it specific to that client mm -hmm. nice nice I want to ask you uh, how to check that content was written by human being. You know, it's, <laughs> it's interesting. You know, when ChatGPT was launched, uh, great offers, including uh, well-known uh, who can post on Forbes, started to use this tool, and we found <laughs> we we got a lot of generic content, in, uh, including from these great offers. Uh, we spoke with them, discussed. Okay, we can't deny this tool exists, uh, we can use it, but don't overuse, please. <laughs> don't uh, over-generate content. Uh, and uh, we usually edit a lot on ChatGPT, but don't generate content or find ideas. So can you tell how to test and analyze that content is good? 
uh, high quality and much better than competitors have, uh, especially today when we have AI. Definitely. Oh, it's such a tough one, isn't it? So we've got really strict rules and, and an AI policy internally around how our team are allowed to use it. Um, and that's something if we were working with freelancers as well, we'd ask them to, to buy into using and following the same guidelines. So we have team members that, that are allowed to use AI, but it's definitely not to be the full source of the article. And they, they haven't, AI can't have written it all for you. It's more using it to, and I think that's what, it's actually becoming quite a skill, I think, to use something like ChatGPT really well, because it's the way you ask the prompts and the follow-up prompts and drawing out the right kind of information. But then it's having someone that can really use that information to craft their own version of where that in it's because it's kind of like a search engine in some ways, isn't it? But it's giving you a lot more information written for you because it's helping find sources, etc. Um, but you have to remember they're all older sources at the moment. If uh, if um yeah, if you're looking to be able to quote those sources. So um, we would always go and check because actually we've seen examples where we've had literally wrong information from ChatGPT. You ask it something, I think um, Paul, my business partner and husband, oh, I can't remember the example he had. Oh, he was trying to get something and he asked a question and ChatGPT gave a really clear answer like, and it was factual is what the, the answer was meant to be. And he then said, I think that's wrong. Are you sure that's the right answer? And then it was like, no, sorry, that was the wrong answer. And it's like, what um so for us we're we're trying to make sure that we've got the right processes in place and that actually um anything that we use where we're using ai um if it goes on our website we've uh, we've created our own little avatar of a robot um oh i've forgotten his name how bad's that he's got a name and everything i obviously he's not one of my favorite employees i don't remember his name um but he's an, he's just a a robot um, and anything that we create that's going on our own website we say it's co-written with and and we use that because we want to be super open and transparent if we've been using ai even if it was just to help us come up with the title for it for example um but how you test it when it's not your work i i haven't done enough of that i think probably our seo team have to give you a really great answer so i'm not going to walk into a territory of telling you a made-up <laughs> answer but i know the boundaries that we're trying to set internally and actually all of our team are really enjoying being able to test and play with ai but using it in the right way and ensuring that you've got that human side to it because an ai isn't a human and all of the work that we do because any client that we work with the wheel of dumb works profile what their um audience looks like what they care about the motivations etc we'll then be looking at how we can layer that information in because even if you put that in the brief to the ai it's not going to be in the same way that we would do it and being able to bring it to life and and really making sure that it's written for humans um and really thought about and then looking at how we might be able to test that as well to see how well it converts mm -hmm. yeah per personally i don't care it's written ai or human being for me it's important valuable or not <laughs> you know yes. if it's valuable i think google uh, is on the same position uh, that's why google yeah. changed the policy you know and today uh, it's okay to use ai uh, fabricio canal from bing told me bing doesn't care <laughs> so you can write with ai if you can create high quality content and uh, for example, we use uh, press releases in our main strategy and we edit them on ChatGPT. Uh, after that, we got mentioned on CNN, Forbes, 
by using uh, editing on ChatGPT. So uh, we usually feed with the right data. So we find, collect data, uh, feed uh, AI and get great results. So I don't rely uh, on ChatGPT yeah. to generate content. <laughs> yeah. No, it is, um, it is good. We've been testing it recently to help with kind of headlines for paid ads. Um, and trying to get it to be creative and and sometimes it, what it does is it ends up giving you some ideas that then you could develop further because I don't think we've ever had it give us the perfect one but sometimes it's given us something that you're like oh I like that bit actually we could use that so it's almost like having someone to brainstorm with especially if um, you're working on your own on something um, it's uh, it is a good tool used in the right way nice nice uh, Becky I want to ask about management it's very important today because, for example, yeah, many years ago, I had a person who wrote content, uh, found keywords, uh, edited, uh, submitted, even promoted, you know, link building. Today, I have a team of specialists and everyone can do only one, two things, not a lot. Uh, the, it's hard to be successful in paid marketing, in SEO in social media, you need to pay attention to one specific direction. And of course, it's important to know, to understand how other channels work, but you need to be good in one direction. For example, like Ferry Kazoni. Uh, yeah, uh, I learned a lot from him and uh, he paid attention to, to PR. That's it, just PR. That's why uh, CEO of Google invited to him uh, invited him to speak in uh, uh, Google conference about PR uh, and yeah he has a very successful agency in UK. Uh, I want to ask your methods of management. Uh, tell how you hire specialists to your team and how you manage them. I mean like to encourage to provide better results, to increase productivity, uh, give them a strong reason to go ahead and provide something new and creative love that great question and you're right like you've got to have specialists so the way we're set up so we have our growth marketing managers are the ones that look after our clients and they're called growth marketing managers because they're focusing on how to help grow our clients businesses so they're really that's their skill set so they're more of a generic marketer although we have some that have got more specialism might have come through a slightly different route um for example one of our uh, team is very much from an seo background and that then, depending on what clients we put them on, uh, we we would use that knowledge as to where they best sit. Um, they're the linchpin. They're the ones that kind of hold the strategy together along with our customer experience team. So our customer experience team are the ones that own the understanding of the customer journey. So that work I started talking about earlier of researching with the customer, trying to understand the touch points and seeing how the channels work together that's done by the customer experience team. And for me, they are the, the bedrock of everybody because they pull everybody together and they help everyone see how they support each other. Um, so they're specialists in that team and that's kind of our human behavior specialists, CRO people, data people, because we need to be able to analyze, uh, analyze data and be able to pull out trends, et cetera. And then we've got our specialist team. So our SEO team, our paid media team, and within that team, People might be more social expert versus search expert, et cetera. Um, but I think the key thing for us is that everything comes back to what is it we're, we're trying to achieve and making sure. So although we've got 
um, we've got frameworks for, for the way that we do our SEO strategy and how we bring human behavior in, et cetera. We still, we also want business led minds thinking about the choices that they're doing. I'm sure you've seen it before. You could Google SEO checklist and you'd find an SEO checklist, but any good SEO that's got a business mind around results will know that actually to get from here to here, I might not need to tick everything on this checklist. I might need to do these five things. And then I need to do this thing here that probably isn't on a checklist that is because I understand strategy and I understand the position of my client's website in their world against their competitors. And yes, if I was doing perfect, I might tick everything. But actually, if I've got three months to get to here, these are the things that are going to turn the dial. And those things actually might not turn the dial as much. So it's, um, we want our team to be all, autonomous in their thoughts and be able to actually think how am I going to generate the best results and and it all comes down to that analysis they need to be good at analyzing where their client is um one of my colleagues Andy is speaking at Brighton SEO next month on the main stage as well I'm very proud um and he's talking about how for one of our clients we help them make millions and I mean millions of pounds through um metadata just metadata, mm-hmm. yeah. nothing else. But it was just a massive gap in what they were doing. So for another client, like if their metadata is pretty good, that's not going to be the thing that turns the dial and it won't be where you put your effort. But for this particular client, they have literally made tens of millions of pounds off the back of metadata changes that we were able to make and roll out across their website. Um, so we want our team to be super autonomous, business focused, as well as like knowing their skill. And and obviously not everyone will be. So we have got people that are more technical SEOs in the team, et cetera, but they need to be led by someone that's got the SEO strategy with the business mind there um, and is reporting back with the growth team, the CX team, the paid team, and thinking of the big kind of holistic picture. Um, of what we're actually trying to achieve for our client. I think it's so easy to get wrapped up in, oh, the client wants to see all these keywords at number one, or they want their traffic to hit this number. Well, actually, it doesn't matter if the traffic hits this number. Like, what's the revenue? What's the impact? That's, And we try and reframe our customers to, to think like that. Like, if a client comes to us with KPIs that are all around metrics that aren't actually going to turn the dial then we'll help them move away from those to get them focused on you know but these are the things that are actually going to matter these are the metrics that matter the ones that will change the face of your business nice you remind me uh my story you know once uh, i got a client who asked me please provide results for a month it's literally impossible for a month to get results but on this website uh, the topic was weight loss. Uh, and uh, what I found on this website, meta texts were written for the sake of having them. <laughs> Nothing special, very generic. And uh, my team rewrote all this meta text. The traffic increased in two times for a month. <laughs> and we got, yeah, we got a huge contract. Uh, we cooperated with this client uh, to and half years a lot of time we, and he paid like 40 percent of all our clients good money wow. and yeah we increased traffic from uh, uh, 100k to 700k uh, wow. ama- amazing results but uh, he uh, gave this job because we could provide results for more and the wow. secret was simple 
to rewrite meta text, you know, title description. And uh, I did it because, because of David Ogilvy. He taught us uh, many years ago, if you want to invest a dollar, uh, then you need to invest uh, 80% to... Uh, headline <laughs> so today it's like title and description <laughs> yeah amazing 100 yeah. and it is and it's so often that people forget how important the basics are like they get wrapped up in the more exciting sexy things like digital pr and and they're all great but if you haven't got your basics right then yeah. you're really going to be held back and and sometimes the basics well can make millions as the, as my colleague will will share at brighton because it is just it's crazy but um yeah, yeah, no, it's we're big believers in that though, making sure that people are thinking, thinking about everything and tying it back to the strategy, what we're actually trying to achieve for our clients, but also thinking about what it means for their audience and making sure that their end goal as well is on their audience, not just on numbers, but who their audience are. Nice, nice. Becky, I wanna ask about your experience. Um what I found, I usually get uh, much better results with clients who understand SEO. So if they know why we need to create high quality content, why it's important to think more about traffic value than getting more traffic, uh, many different things. Yeah, we can cooperate like a cohesive team. If they don't, usually tell them, take my course, learn from Lily Ray, Jeff Coyle. Go to Google, go to YouTube, listen to podcasts, just learn, get the basic, it doesn't matter. What kind of content do you prefer? Just learn, get the basic. Let's imagine you started today from scratch. Forget about your agency, forget about your experience. <laughs> it's your first day in SEO and paid marketing. What will you do today to learn from scratch? Oh, wow. Yeah, I would... Um... I'd take your course. That would be my first thing. <laughs> um, Thank you. If I was if I was learning from scratch, yeah, I would. I'd go and start playing with things because I think that's the key, isn't it? Is uh, you need to be. For me, the people that are best in our industry aren't just looking after clients' websites or if they're in-house, they're in-house companies' website. They've got something on the side that they can play with, test with, experiment with. So I'd go and do all the reading, watch the videos, do the courses, get the podcast. But I would also find a reason to create my own website, even if it was just a blog, that something I was passionate about so that I had a test bed that doesn't upset anyone but me if I get it wrong, where I can actually go and experiment and and dabble and and do this knowing that I can bring that experience back to my clients without needing to, to always be testing with them. I mean, we test with clients all the time. We talk to them about it. We say, oh, well, let's give this a go. And, and you have to. But it's really nice if you've got your own thing that is just yours, that you haven't got to answer to anyone, um, that you can go and play with and see, see what magic you can make happen. Because it does sometimes feel like magic, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. By the way, magic doesn't happen without testing and experiment. You know, so you need Definitely. to fail. And I fail a lot, a lot. Um, yeah. And you, you mentioned about passion. Once I started a project because of chasing money, we found a gap in market, and we uh, I felt that my team can fill this gap. That was a big mistake. <laughs> we hired a lot of people invested a lot of money and after three years when I hated Monday and loved Friday, <laughs> I quit. <laughs> I gave up <laughs> with this project and 
told myself I will never take any project because of money. Never. Yeah. You need to, to love what you do. <laughs> you, it's, yeah. it's literally written on the wall of our office that love what you do. Like life's too short to not love what you do. And yeah, there's always bits of a job that maybe you don't love. Like there's always this bits of admin. I'm not very good at admin. My team will tell tell you that um there's always things that aren't your favorite things you can't be on a 100 high all day every day five days a week um but you've got to most days love what you do you've got to have most mondays where you're like okay cool it's monday not oh is it not sunday again um, <laughs> it's yeah. you've got to be in that place and you've got to feel passionate and i think even more in our industry because it is moving and changing if you're not willing to move and change and to keep learning and to know that actually what worked last year might not work this year and you're going to need to find a new way some people don't like that some people would much rather go and work in a career where it's always the same and it's it's all good and that's that's absolutely fine there's careers out there like that but if you're in digital you've got to love the fast pace the changing nature you've got to be ready for it and uh, and actually thrive on it Yeah, awesome. I couldn't agree more. A hundred percent. You need to love. And it's only one secret how you can overwork others. If you can work on Saturday evening, on Sunday night, <laughs> then you uh, on the right track. <laughs> If you can't, yeah. so it's better to change your job. That's, that's okay to have other hobbies, but uh, people who love what they do, they can work at any time <laughs> and Becky I, I have my, yeah my final question about the future I want to ask you take your crystal ball and tell what kind of future will be and how marketers can adapt to this possible future oh I think it is getting closer to that one-to-one -one ability to market to our audience so getting closer to understanding our audience and getting more personalized in the content that we can create whether that's using tools to help us personalize or having really robust search strategies with a bigger architecture of a website where we know we're going to get someone in in the right place because of the intent of how they've searched and we're going to get them to the right content and not just thinking of the right content of what it says but the right content format that matches the intent of what we think were they really looking for an article or did they want a video what is it they're needing at this point in time and yeah we we've got to get stronger and better at that but it all comes back to and and it's why our focus is so much on audience because that's not going away anywhere like uh, if anything it's going to grow in importance because technology is going to keep moving on to make it easier and better for us to be able to create more personalized experiences so therefore the only way you're going to do a good job of that is if you truly know your audience and if you're outside i don't know if you're inside out as an organization where you just think yep yeah, this is what our audience wants we'll just push it on them you're going to get it wrong you need to be outside in you need to listen You need to learn, you need to find out. And then that needs to be what fuels your strategy, not what you want to say. It's what your audience want to hear. Nice. You know, you, you read my mind, you know. <laughs> I can feel that you, that you read my mind, yeah, really. Good. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I love marketing books uh, that was written before digital. People are the same. Nothing changed. Yeah. Psychology, the same. Technologies change. We need to adapt technologies to human psychology. <laughs> And even more, I, I love uh, these books because uh, at that time, marketers didn't try to game 
the system, you know, didn't try to manipulate algorithms. Uh, they couldn't do it at this time. No. Today, it's hard. It's hard. And it's not a good time to game the system. Today, it's a good time to think about human being. I love it. Becky, it's a big pleasure yeah. to get on my show to learn it. from you. Tell the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. Uh, so I'm probably mainly on LinkedIn. So Becky Sims on LinkedIn. You can find me on there. Um, I'm sometimes on, I don't know what to call it now, Twitter, X. I was saying the other day, like, a, what's a tweet now? Is it still a tweet or is it like an X or I don't know, like the, <laughs> the language? Um, I think it's always going to be Twitter for me. You'll sometimes find me on there, but I, and I'm Becky Reflex on there, but I'm more often you'll find me on LinkedIn is the best place. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been, it's been a really great conversation and I feel like we're very aligned. <laughs> yeah, a big pleasure. Guys, you can find all the links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google. Spotify. Thanks, Kate, for the time. Love it. So valuable, you know. Yeah, a lot of valuable insights. Guys, I recommend to anyone to follow Becky because you can see a lot of value. I follow and recommend to follow you because you can see valuable. Okay, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.